Welcome, Nationals fans, to episode 15 of the Curly W Live podcast. If you want to go back and listen to any episodes, head over to our blog, Curly W Live, which is curlyw.moblogs.com, and click on the podcast link. You can also search for the podcast through iTunes by searching Curly W Live. Our previous episode was a look at the 1962 All-Star Game with historian and guest Fred Fromer. Uh, we're going to return to that series in a few weeks, so be on the lookout for, for that podcast. Uh, we are coming to you from the Curly W Live studios, which for this episode happens to be in the home dugout at Nationals Park. As we did during spring training uh, when we hung out with Chip Hale and Derek Lilliquist, uh, we spent this episode spending some time with uh, members of Davey Martinez's coaching staff. We want to get to know them, uh, learn about their preparation, hear some stories about their playing days or coaches that they um, you know, learned from and were inspired by. So on this episode, we spent some time with the base coaches. So our first guest is first base coach Tim Bogar, and we talked to him for about 10 minutes before the game. And um, stick around after that for an always entertaining chat with uh, third base coach Bobby Henley. So uh, let's get to it. Here's episode 15 of the Curly W Live podcast featuring the base coaches. Enjoy. All right, we are here with Washington's first base coach, Tim Bogar. Uh, Tim, thanks for taking the time to join the podcast. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. So uh, other than Bobby Henley, uh, who will join us later in the podcast, um, the entire staff uh, is new this year for 2018. Um, so first off, you know, when you got hired um, last last fall, what did you know about this group coming in, and, and how did you guys get to know each other throughout the winter and then through spring training and these first couple weeks of the season? Well, uh, coming into it, um, the only guy I really knew real well was uh, was Davey. Um, you know, I had worked with Davey in Tampa when he was uh, Joe's bench coach in Tampa Bay in 08. We went to the World Series that year, and I only spent one year there. But I knew Davey back when we were players. We played against each okay. other and, and got to know that. But um you know, other than that, you know, just knowing all the other guys from being across the field, you know, obviously all these years in baseball at this level, you, you get to know guys across the field and, and what they've done. And I've known Kay Long for a long time just because he was with the Yankees mm-hmm. when I was with Red Sox and things like that. But great staff. We, you know, uh, got to know him really, really good in, uh, in November when we went to, to Florida and right. got to hang out together. And it was a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, we got to know each other and uh, we've, we've all clicked ever since you mentioned knowing Davey as a player um what do you remember about him as a player you, you guys overlapped a lot and you probably played against each other a lot what do, you, what do you remember about him as a player well first and foremost he played the game right I mean he he understood it you could tell he was a guy that that uh that was a student of the game you know he he, he did everything he had to do uh to be successful if he had to bunt he bunted if he had to hit and run he hit and ran you know, he's an unbelievable defender, always threw the ball to the right bases. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just tell he was he was very educated in the game and uh, one of those guys on the other side <laughs> of the field that was a gnat. You just yeah. he just just wanted him to he was, he was annoying to deal with. Yeah, you just wanted him to go away. <laughs> you know, he was a he was a winner. Nice. Um, so along the same lines as, as the coaching staff, this group of players, um, how did you kind of get to know these players throughout the offseason and, and going into spring training? Um, you know, what, what was your process like to learn? You know, we had 63 guys in camp. What, what was your process along those lines? Well, being the infield guy, you know, obviously I got to know the infielder guys a lot sooner than everybody else because I got to work with them. And, um, you know, but I will say this group of guys was very, very welcoming. They, uh, they were willing to listen to what we were talking about. They they made some suggestions to us and what they felt needed to happen to, for them to be 
able to take the next step and um it was a lot of fun you know getting to spend some time with them um one-on-one in the cage doing some early ground ball work and early glove work and and just getting to know their personalities and i think that's for me that was the biggest thing because we're all baseball players we all do this but um as people you get to know them and and get to know who they are then then uh you you feel like you're you got a better connection with them so after nine years or nine major league seasons um in the big leagues um you know, you transitioned to the coaching role. Uh, do you remember what that time was like and kind of what made you wanted to get into coaching and eventually managing and, and, and continuing your career in baseball? Yeah, well, I, I think I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a coach, um, you know, stay in the game and, and because I loved it so much and it was what I was all about ever since I was a little kid. Um, you know, growing up, I had a lot of, lot of good influences um, in that aspect. My dad was always involved in, in baseball with me and teaching me the game. But then when I got to college, I had a really, really good coach, uh, Tom McDivitt, who was my college coach, uh, had played pro ball and, and ran our college program like that. And he just taught us all the ins and outs of the game and how to play it right. And it just kind of it, it sparked my interest in, in passing it along. And obviously, as I went through the minor leagues, I had Clint Hurdle as a manager. I had, you know, yeah, you know, and then getting to the big leagues, it's you're around all kinds of guys. Ron Washington was one of my coaches in the minor leagues. And, um, you know, what they did to help me get to the big leagues, I want to do that for other people. That's great. That's a uh, a great motivation. Um, So you are uh, returning to the first base coaches box this year for the first time since, I believe, 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, and since then, you worked bench coach, minor league manager, uh, interim manager in the big league level. Um, so what was your preparation like this offseason, knowing you were returning to the first base coach's box? And not only that, coupled with being part of a new organization, uh, what, what did you kind of do to prepare for the season in that regards? Well, the first thing was to, to understand exactly what Davey needed me to do for him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, being over there at first base and being part of the, the base running um, aspect of it um, stealing bases and things like that so there was a lot of preparation going into how we were going to be uh, able to to use the guys abilities right. to the best of their ability um, and we have a lot of speed on this team and everything so you know learning learning how to do that and then you know understanding what he wanted with positioning and, and making sure that the infielders were getting what they needed and, and the pitchers were having the infielders positioned where they wanted them right, <laughs> to get more exactly. outs as quick as we could so you know it's been it's been fun being over there being back on the field again and uh you know i if you feel like you're a little more invested in the game when right. you actually are out on the field mm-hmm. so it's it's been a lot of fun so in terms of uh day-to-day preparation it's it's about 1 30 we have a seven o'clock game tonight what's the rest of your afternoon like going into first pitch and then kind of what goes on in game for you well, first, first things first is we, we kind of set up our, our defensive positioning for the pitcher that's pitching tonight. Okay. So, you know, um, Tanner's pitching tonight, so we're, we're kind of understand what he's trying to do, what his game plan is, what him and Lily come up with, and then we, we try to f- use what the analytical guys give us upstairs, what, what Tanner's done against these guys in the past, and kind of put it all together to make sure our guys are in the right position. So that, that takes a little bit of time, and then after that, we go into uh, looking at uh, the pitcher that we're facing tonight and what kind of move he has and if we can steal bases and, and things like that gave us the best advantage possible. So there's a lot of preparation in that aspect. And then obviously uh, Daniel Murphy's coming back, so 
got to get him out on the field yeah, and exactly. get him through get his, his reps. work done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. We're all, yeah. you know, we're all looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, and um, uh, so so just working with him and trying to get him get him back locked in defensively. Mm-hmm. So, a lot to do. Would you say your role is pretty much you know fifty fifty between your work as the first base coach and your infield uh, instructor, or is it kind of teetering one in one in one direction? Well, I, w- I guess I would have to say it's more with the infield stuff, okay. um, mm-hmm. just because trying to prepare six or seven guys every day, right. um, you guys spend a little more time individually with each guy, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I can I can study the the pitcher and and you know s- send that off to the six or seven guys that we f- right. feel can steal bases. So a little more time spent on the infield stuff, okay. but uh, I, you know both both important. Okay. So now. Uh, I'm going to ask Bobby the same question about being at third base, but, um, you know, I, you often see on TV and, and through the course of the game, there's a lot of conversations that go on at first base, um, whether it's between the coach and your own players, uh, the coaches and the umpires, the coaches and the visiting players, um, you know, without giving away too many state secrets or anything, you know, who holds the best conversations out there? Are there any uh, between our players or is there any uh, visiting players or umpires that you, um, you know, I mean, they're opponents, you know, but you enjoy kind of carrying on a conversation with out there or some guys that are really funny or really guys that you just don't even bother talking to. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's it's interesting. You go over there and some, some first basemen are very engaging and some aren't and some umpires are and some aren't. And mm-hmm. um, um, so far, short season so far, yeah, we're, we're just into it. But uh, I would have to say Freddie Freeman's a yeah. pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good individual I, over there. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense just from watching him play. Yeah, we've had some... Uh, pretty interesting conversations <laughs> about about wine and and oh, okay. uh and stuff like that so <laughs> not too bad hard-hitting stuff over there at first base yep. um now one aspect of the game that has changed since you were at first base last was the challenge and replay system um what do you do as a first base because again we've only played 13 games so far and we haven't had many honestly challengeable plays at first base quite yet but um, it seems to me from the outside looking in uh players always think they're safe mm-hmm. uh, regardless so what what are you, what's your thought process on the challenge situation at first base? You know, as relative to you know, signaling the dugout, what you think, um, trying to talk to the player about what he might think. What what are you going through in that regards? Well, I think I, the the one thing that I can do the most is try to help uh, Davey and Chip mm-hmm. in the dugout by when something happens, having a reaction so they know whether or not I feel like the call was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time. You know these umpires are really good. Yeah, it's amazing. We slow the thing down to frame by frame, mm-hmm. and they're right more right. than they're not. And uh, but to the naked eye, sometimes you, you think it's the other way mm-hmm. around. So if I if I feel like something's happening, I'm going to give Davy a signal right away. Mm-hmm. Either way, if right. it's if it's positive or negative in our in our favor, so he knows if he should probably challenge or not. Mm-hmm. You know the play like you, you like you said, the players are fickle at times. They right. they yeah. always think they're safe, or they <laughs> always think they tagged them out. Um, because they want to win, right. and that's that's what they should be feeling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of our job to reel that in and make sure that we do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now we'll close this list. Um, you're, you have a daughter who's, who's quite the athlete herself. Your daughter, Aralee, is a freshman at uh, University of Iowa. She's a softball player. Um, and from what I gather from her stats, checking out the website, uh, pretty good one at that uh, as a freshman. Um, so what mode are you in while watching her play, whether it was in high school or now in college? Are you – are you watching her as your her dad, or are you in coach mode or former player mode? You know what? It's probably all three. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I was just telling some of the coaches the other day we were watching her play, and um, I don't think I've ever been nervous on the baseball mm-hmm. field when I'm playing right. to the to the point where I can feel my heart fluttering <laughs> and my stomach getting upset. Right. But whenever she walks up to hit, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I get a little <laughs> bit nervous. I get like, oh, come on, girl, you know. Um, so that's when the dad part kicks right. in. But then after every game, she'll call me, and, okay. and we'll, we'll rehash everything she did that day and what she could have done better. And, you know, she's a, like you said, she's a freshman. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot to learn, and right. she's, she's had her ups and downs, and she's had some struggles, but she's had her successes. And um, it's, it's just fun to be able to share the game with right. her. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. I can imagine that, that that's got to be pretty awesome to sit there and watch uh, watch her play, whether it's on your computer or iPad or um, you know, on TV every once in a while. But, uh, Tim, thank you for your time today. I know you got a lot to do before we get ready for the 7 o'clock game, so I appreciate you joining the podcast. Thanks, Kyle. Bobby, it is a tremendous honor to have you join me on the podcast, so thank you for taking some time out of your busy afternoon to join me. Absolutely, Kyle. Anything for you? All right. Well, um, we talked about earlier in the podcast and w- with other members of the coaching staff that you're the veteran member of the staff. Um, so going back to Winterfest and spring training and um, you know, early parts of the season now, what have you done to get to know your fellow staff members um, throughout this offseason? What, what was your strategy to know these guys, if you didn't know them already? Yeah, well, we had an opportunity over the winter uh, when uh, Mike and Davey had put the staff together to meet everyone, uh, and that was organized by Mike and Davey down in Florida, the, the spring training complex. So we were there for about three days, had a chance to talk. Uh, David had a chance to share his ideas and his philosophy with us and how he sees things and, um, and who the personnel that we were going to have, the players this year, and, and how the team was going to add up, our 25 for the most part. Uh, and then we had a chance to have dinner together and share ideas and thoughts, and, uh, and uh, it, was, it was really good. It was good. Had an opportunity to see everybody, meet them for the first time. We've, I've seen a ton of them across the – than the other dugout, but uh, but for the first time on the same team. So uh, that was the first time we had a chance to meet. And, of course, then we went to Winterfest mm-hmm. um, and had a chance to get together. A little bit colder weather, of course. <laughs> it wasn't West Palm Beach. No, it was not. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was also an added ingredient of having the fans and the fanfare there right. and, uh, and also the media. Right. And so we had an opportunity to talk again, go to dinner again as a staff, uh, share ideas, and, uh, and also uh, get a chance to be with the players in that, uh, in that venue. So that was also nice. And then we had a chance to get together uh, in the spring uh, quite a few days, probably about three, four days early before, uh, before camp started uh, to get everything mapped out and, uh, and organized. And so uh, spring was uh, uh, quite, the, uh, quite spring training and had a lot of fun, <laughs> got a lot of work in. Now, specific to Davey, um, do you remember playing against him uh, or coaching against him? You know, when was the first time you met Davey? If it wasn't uh, when he hired, when 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 he was brought on as a member of the staff. You know, just for the years that he was in the other dugout right. uh, as a bench coach, I would always uh, um, say hello from across the way, but never had really an opportunity to get to know him. I'd always heard about him, and uh, he was a great baseball man, a good person, and uh, um, and. And just uh, someone that uh, was really colorful as far as their uh, personality right. and uh, that you would gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first time I'd really had a chance uh, to meet him was uh, whenever he brought everybody down right. together in, uh, in the winter uh, down in West Palm. And uh, so that was, that was really the first opportunity I had to, to sit down and talk and, and hear him uh, speak from the heart mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and learn something about him and then uh, him learn something about me. Okay. So you're in your... 24th season with this franchise going back to the Expos days um, 16th as a coach and 5th on the MLB the Major League staff um, so following your playing career uh, what kind of made you want to, want to transition into uh, coaching and continuing in, in baseball well you know I think you know as a young kid I come from a small town in Alabama uh, and really your options there were to <laughs> if you did graduate 
uh, which a lot didn't. A lot of the people didn't, especially the boys. You'd go work at the mill. You'd either work at the paper mill or you'd work at the shipyard. Uh, or if you knew somebody, your daddy knew somebody, maybe at some point they'd get you hired on over at Chevron because they had a good <laughs> pension over there. But never in a million years did you think you had an opportunity to do something outside, really, of the, uh, the county or the state, and definitely not uh, sports-related. Mm-hmm. But my daddy put this dream in my head years uh, when I was a little boy that, uh, that you can accomplish anything if you put your mind to it and, and willing to, uh, to sacrifice things and work hard. And, uh, and so I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so at a young age of 18, got drafted back in the draft and follow years with, by Montreal in the 26th round, I believe, 27th pick. Uh, after, after, the, after about the 15th round, it's all the same, it seems <laughs> like. But uh, later on the draft, they, they picked me and selected me for an opportunity to watch me. Uh, they had control over you for right. a year. Right. I signed at a little junior college. And uh, played there for a year, and then they re-signed me before the next uh, year's draft. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was off and running to, to the minor leagues. Played about five, six years in the minor leagues. Had an opportunity to go to the major leagues and play my first game as a catcher, of course. And uh, finished that season off. And in the spring of the very next year, had a, had a shoulder injury, okay. uh, which required surgery. And then the following year, uh, it was a shoulder again and then a shoulder again. And so... My career never ended up to be uh, what I had hoped it to be. I was very blessed and thankful that I had an opportunity to actually make it to the major leagues and have a little bit of success to feel like I could play there. Um, but yet, uh, yeah, there was definitely something I wish I could have finished off. Now, at that point, uh, my options again were really to go to the shipyard or to the paper mill or to Chevron cause, uh, because, of course, my daddy knew somebody. And, uh, and the Expos, thankfully enough, uh, Montreal had called me and asked me if I would uh, like to coach because they thought I would be a good coach. And so uh, I took them up on that because that sounded exciting, something new. Didn't really know anything about coaching, uh, but I definitely would apply hard work and, uh, and listen before I spoke, uh, especially around a bunch of coaches that knew what they were doing. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I coached year after year and, uh, and finally – they had asked me to come to the major league level and coach and been here ever since. Were there any coaches or managers that you had along the way that kind of um, inspired you to be a coach or that you kind of drew on early in your coaching career? Well, you know, my uh, again, my father was one I think that was the biggest inspiration um, for me. Mm-hmm. Not that he was a super coach, yeah. uh, but I think just in life in general, uh, showing me kind of how to go about things, I think, and giving me a good uh, – structure and environment uh but then as i got uh into professional baseball you know i think it's a little bit from everybody you know a lot of the names that nobody would even know uh coaches that affected me and uh work ethic and teach me the game uh you know and and how to go about talking to players and and uh, and making sure that uh, uh that i had an understanding of what coaching was and how it was different than playing and and that, uh, that everything wasn't going to get accomplished in one day, that it was more of a marathon as opposed to a, than a sprint. And, uh, and so I think uh, through the years you've learned, you learn a lot from coaches. You learn a lot by failing, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing is trying to communicate with the, with the fellas and make sure they have an understanding of uh, what's expected of them and, and uh, how to go about doing it. And, uh, and if they already know how to go about doing it, then it's a matter of just keeping them, uh, keeping the maintenance to keep them doing what uh, makes them successful or reminding them what makes them successful and also reminding them that uh, 
Uh, the valley's never too low mm -hmm. and the peak's never too high to stay the course and, uh, uh, and tame those emotions and everything will be all right. So it's about 2.30 right now. We play 7 o'clock tonight here at Nats Park. What's your, uh, your preparation for the game like from maybe from the time you get here or from about now until 7.05, that first pitch, and then, and then in-game? What, what's your kind of routine and, and process like in-game? Yeah, I think, you know, usually before a series starts, any four-game or three-game series that we may have, you always go, we as a staff, we have a, uh, an advanced meeting, and that is our advanced scout that's on the road. Uh, will give us information as to what he sees in the past three or four days and what to expect, who's hot, who's not, and what a team's been doing to get a player out or, or what a player's been doing for the team we're about to play that's been really successful. And so uh, what to expect. Now, we also have uh, video from past years of players. We have, of course, in our memory bank, I do, I know their outfield arms and who can throw you out and who's, uh, who struggles in that regard. Uh, but also you, you, you know the past, you know um, uh, what they've done in the past, but also you would like to know what they're doing right now. And so as a group, we go through a, a staff, uh, uh, an advanced uh, meeting as a group, and we talk about how we're going to pitch, how we're going to uh, offense them, defense them uh, on the bases, uh, our bullpen, how we match up. And then individually, we all have our own things, the infield coach and the outfield coach, hitting coach, and so we do our studying to prepare the players in that regard individually. And uh, with the coaching third, uh, I just make sure that the players understand um, that, it, one, if we decide we're going to change signs offensively, that we get them as a group and tell them that we're doing that because uh, you need to do that every couple of weeks. And anytime you face a team twice, you would want to review the signs and change them up a little bit. Uh, so that's one. Two, making sure I look at outfield arms and look at the strength, see if they're, they're still throwing accurate, how they're getting to the ball, uh, if, the, if their arm is still working the same way it was last year, or if they're you know, a couple years older now, and it may, uh, it, you know, or some, uh, some difficulty. You look at the uh, injury report of somebody's arm sore, you, you factor that in. Um, so you, you watch video on them and how they're throwing right now. You already know how they've done in the past, just mm -hmm. on past experience. Um, and, uh, and then you make sure you remind the guys to stay aggressive if there's certain things you think that, they, that you can expose a team with, with a left fielder or a guy doesn't get to the ball very hard, let's look to go first to third, mm -hmm. try to expose that, and maybe it gives us an advantage to win a ball game. A okay. uh, catcher that doesn't block very well, we say, look, on a ball in the dirt, we're going to be really aggressive in this series and force him to get up and throw us out. Um, so... Uh, I think things things of that nature. Okay. Um, so your role as um, outfielder outfielder instructor uh, yeah. was added this off season. Right. Um, kind of remember you being very excited about it at Winterfest. Um, how has that kind of changed your your day to day work, and like how did you kind of prepare for that role this off season? Well, I think one thing is I, I called all the outfielders mm -hmm. and uh, let them know uh, the news that I was uh, going to be uh, working with them mm -hmm. uh, and that I was excited. They seemed to be excited as well. Uh, you know, I think other than that, I made sure that uh, we had an understanding of what we were going to expect in the spring and through the course of the year, mm -hmm. things that, uh, that they like to do in the past that they feel good about with their maintenance work, ground balls or fly balls or certain drills, because mm -hmm. I want to take that into account. Uh, and so we utilize a lot of the things that, uh, that they like to do that prepares them for a season and maintenance-wise during the season. And then also I think the biggest thing of all was making sure I got with uh, Davey because he's done outfield right. uh, work in the past for years. And so he's got a lot of thoughts and ideas. And he made sure that he uh, let me know of certain drills and certain things that, uh, that I could do to prepare them also for the season and during the season mm -hmm. with maintenance work as well. So I, I definitely uh, talk to Davey, Davey on a daily basis. 
and uh, and get his thoughts going into a series and how he sees hitters and whatnot. So I make sure that uh, uh, that no mistakes are made or that you know every every stone is uh, turned over right. and and, and uh, exhaust every possibility. Uh, and uh, and make sure that also I'm listening a lot as far instead of talking a lot right. uh, to him uh, and uh, and other guys that have done a lot of outfield work. Uh, to make sure we put our boys in the best spot possible, get them the work that they need uh, so they're off and running for the course of the year. But I've had a lot of fun. It's, uh, I've learned a lot about the boys, learned a lot uh, about the position, and uh, getting more comfortable as the days go and, uh, and really enjoying myself. All right, so we asked Bogey the same question uh, about some of the conversations that take place at first base um, between whether it's you and the player, you and the opponent, you and the umpire. So in your time over there at third, who's been – Who's been some of the best uh, guys to have conversations with, whether it's opposing player or opposing or umpires or, or our guys? Who uh, who kind of entertains you? Who, who do you look forward to talking to every couple weeks when we play them? Oh, that's a that's a tough one there. I mean, I enjoy. You know, I'm from the South, man, so we're very relational. <laughs> the only thing we're missing out there is food. Uh, of course, as many seeds as I ate during the game, I guess you consider that food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, Southern boy, we like to eat and talk. Uh, so. I think I enjoy probably more of, uh, of their company than they do mine at times. <laughs> uh, I, you know, umpire-wise, I enjoy Joe West. He's been mm-hmm. in the league probably longer than anybody. Yep. So Joe West would be one. Uh, players, I, shoot, they're all, they're, all, they're all great. You know, the boys, they're, uh, you know, they usually we will give a, a cordial invitation at the beginning. Good mm-hmm. to see you. How you doing? How's the family? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if they make a great play during the game, I'll usually tell them, yeah. say, hey, but great play there. Great play. Or if they've swung the bat great during the course of a series, I'll let them know towards right. the end of the series. I'll say, hey, great job this series. Hey, good luck with the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Um, but uh, usually inning to inning, I let them play. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, – I try not to bother them, and, uh, and uh, we stay pretty professional in that regard. But, uh, but over the course of years, you get to make a lot of relationships, and uh, it's kind of fun. Bogart said uh, Freddie Freeman's this guy over there, right. the guy that, that talks him up the most. So – um, now you very quickly you mentioned your sunflower seed eating habits and uh, I'll be honest you have a very particular way of going about eating your seeds. Uh, could you walk us through your your process before the games when you uh, we see you dump a whole bunch of water in your seed bag? <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, I used to chew tobacco, so I had to mm-hmm. quit that, mm-hmm. and so I replaced it with sunflower seeds. Uh, and, uh, you know, anything I do, I tend to do the extreme. And so <laughs> I go through about four or five bags a night. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason for the water is because the seeds have so much salt on them. If mm-hmm. you chew five bags of seeds with all that salt, yeah. uh, that just tears your mouth up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I'm not going to chew again. Mm-hmm. So uh, the seeds are what I'm going to do. And so what I do, by, I try to get all that salt off the seeds. So gotcha. by ripping, the, I rip a hole in the bag. I pour a bunch of water from the, uh, from the Gatorade bucket into the seeds and uh and then i pour the water out keeping the seeds in the bag but gets all that salt out there and then usually i just kind of lay them sit in the sun for about 15 20 minutes and they dry up and and then i'll dump them in my pocket as i go but it keeps all that salt off of them and of course you got your your uh, sunflower seed uh uh, geography out there which means if uh, we got a lot of seeds right around the halfway that 45 foot marker halfway down the line then we got a lot of business that Mm -hmm. night that's a good thing Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing if they're on the other side of the base it just means hopefully we're hitting a lot of home runs and and we're scoring from first that's right so uh so it's not uh, foolproof but usually if we got a bunch of seeds down there halfway between it means we have a lot of base running a lot of activity at second base 
All right, well, I'm going to be on the lookout for the Sunflower Seed Geography. I know the fans at Nats Park will be, too, after listening to this interview. So, Bobby, thank you for taking the time to join the podcast this afternoon, and uh, good luck tonight. You bet. Go Nats. Yep. Thanks again to Tim and Bobby for spending some time with us. Uh, like I said, we were, we hung out in the afternoon prior to a 7 p.m. game, so it was uh, right at the beginning of their uh, day of work and day of preparation to get ready for that night's game. So I appreciate them taking some time to join the podcast. So. Uh, Like I said at the beginning, we're going to return to our All-Star Game History podcast series next time with a look at the 1956 All-Star Game with our uh, history expert and uh, recurring guest, Fred Fromer. So like we always say, um, we want your feedback, so please tweet at me, at Kyle Brostowitz or at Nationals, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Curly W Live, and be sure to subscribe to the blog, Curly W Live, which is curlyw.moblogs.com. So thanks for listening, Nationals fans. See you next time on the Curly W Live podcast.